Hello and welcome to the Star Wars Show, the best place for below average Star Wars. Welcome to episode 2 of our Clone Wars Season 7 review. Today we're going to be reviewing episodes 3 and 4, which is On the Wings of Kiridax and Unfinished Business. It's the final two episodes of the Bad Batch arc. I'm Peter and helping me review these episodes this week in co-hosting with me is host of the Closing Credits podcast, Christina. Christina, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Obviously, it's um, quite a strange time out there across the whole world, really, with sort of what's happening with the, the virus going around. But I'm glad we've got Star Wars to watch, and I'm glad we've got Star Wars to talk about, and that keeps me happy. Same. Awesome. Um, so I think we'll just dive right into sort of episode three, uh, on the wings of Kiridax. Obviously, anybody just tuning in, um, me and Christina reviewed episodes one and two of the new season of The Clone Wars. Um, so just head back on the podcast feed to find that, listen to that episode first before you come back and listen to this. Um, this will be a spoiler review as well. So if you have not seen episodes three or four of the new Clone Wars series, maybe pause now, go watch those on Disney Plus, and then come back and tune in to get our views. Um, so yeah, episode three on the wings of Kiridax. It's part three of this arc. Um, it's the penultimate part, um, and I just want to dive straight into the uh, sort of the moral of the story, or the sort of the fortune cookie, as the Sky Talkers podcast kind of phrase of the the little phrase at the beginning of the episodes. Um, and for on the wings of Kiridax, the fortune cookie is survival is one step on the path to living. Um, so my first thoughts about that was obviously last episode. Obviously, we found we found a clone trooper who was we thought lost in a previous season, thought thought perished. Um, it is Echo, um, and basically the beginning of this season started with like maybe Echo was alive, maybe the separatists and the droids are using them to plot what the Republic are going to do next and using them to counteract the strategies that the Republic has. Um, and as we found out in the last episode, that was sort of proved right. They found Echo, or what was left of him, inside a machine. Um, but we found out that he is alive, which is good. So for me, survival is one step on the path to living, is that Echo, like, A, survived the blast at the Citadel, and then he survived everything that the Separatists and the droids had done to him. And although he hasn't been serving his own purpose lately, he's been serving the droid's purpose and the separatist's purpose. Um, but he has survived, and he survived to this point now where the Republic now rescued him, and he can now start being a part of the side that he wants to be a part of, which is the Republic. Um, he can finally start sort of resuming the life he had before that, before those events at the Citadel. So for me, I took it as quite quite literal that like he did survive. And that was the first step sort of on the path to getting his whole life back. And then obviously Anakin and Rex and the Bad Batch have come and they have done the other steps to help to help him escape and rescue him. And now he can now begin to start reliving his life that he had before. Um, how did you take this sort of interpretation of the, the fortune cookie on the, on the, on the moral, um, Christina? Um, about the same kind of. Uh, yeah, because um, I though I do like the quote, I think by 
wrecks when they do unplug them. And uh, he said that he was having, um, Echo was saying that he had a headache and Rex had said, well, it's better to feel something than nothing. So it kind of shows that like, yeah, you're still a living person still. Um, and yeah, that, uh, and that, yeah, Echo has been through so much and I, I'm glad that he made it through and I, I really hope we get to see him later on in the series too. Yeah. I mean, like for what you said there, obviously like it, it's, it's better to feel something than nothing and it's better to live than die. But obviously like, although his existence has been pretty horrible, um, you know, serving the separatist droids, being put in that machine. Um, he has come through it. He has survived, which is, like, awesome. And he's also probably better off for the experience. So he knows how, the, as we're going to find out when we talk about the episode, he knows about the separatists. He knows how they work. He knows how they think. And just as the separatists are mining him for the public strategy, he's now been inside their system. So he now knows how they work. Um and because he survived that process now, now what he's learned doing that is going to sort of benefit the Republic now. And it's going to come back to haunt the Separatists and the droids. So just a, a basic, um, so the basic rundown of the episode is that um, sort of Anakin Rex and the Bad Batch escape what Tambor's facility uh, with Echo and they fight the way past the Techno Union droid forces. Um, and they end up retreating to the native village that we've seen in the past episodes. And with the help of the locals, they defend Echo from reinforcements uh, sent by what Tom Border sort of recapture the Techno Union's experiment, as he calls it. Um, so that's basically like a quick rundown of the whole episode. Um, but basically, the episode starts off like where the last one left off. So we sort of start off with um, sort of the unplug Echo um, when they're trying to escape with him. But um, these sort of these D-wing droids, the sort of Techno Union's version of battle droids, uh, which I found—I don't know—I thought the design was quite strange and weird, but like in a good way. So it was like different from the battle droids, um, and it also made me feel like, that, like this Techno Union facility is maybe even secret to the Separatists as a whole. Yeah, if that makes sense. So like it's like a secret division almost, like almost like you have like I don't know if you, if you have like the you have like the Nazis, but then you have like Hydra in the MCU, which is like their secret weapons facility. And it's like, does Hitler know what Hydra's up to in Captain America? He knows a little bit, but does Red Skull have his own designs on things and is doing things on his own? Yes, he is, um, and I think that's a bit like that here. We're sort of sort of what Tambor and the Techno Union, like, yeah, they're a big part of the Separatist Alliance, and uh, but they're doing things here that maybe they don't pass on. So the Separatists see the results of what's going on, like, helps them start to turn the tide in the war. But do they know to the extent of what's going on here? Um, probably not. Yeah. Um, so they could probably be hiding even more tech that we haven't seen yet. Well, you've got to think so. Like what I noticed is that when in the in the last episode before this one, episode two, when they are approaching sort of the the Techno Union facility, um, there's quite a lot of different spires 
when when they're looking. Yeah. So there's definitely more than one facility there because if say if each spire is a facility, there's at least five. So you've got to think if they've got one that's dedicated to to echo in this um in this algorithm that they perfected that helps them predict the public strategy. Um, what is going on in the other ones? Um, it could be almost like, like I said, like a sort of a Frankenstein's laboratory where each, each one has a different monster or a different technology they're working on. Yes. Which, yeah. which is quite scary considering that, um, like I said, they got, they, like the, the heroes escape, but they don't destroy the whole facility. So maybe there's some things in there that could come back to haunt them. Yeah, and I I wonder, does will they come back around in the series if they show the Order sixty six stuff? Maybe because I mean, like, obviously, like for me, one of the main things is that, like, obviously, we've got this this bad batch that are all sort of defective clones, but as Clone Commander Cody says, they've got like um, desirable mutations. Um. That's what makes them such a good team and depended on. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have whether well, the Bad Batch have the inhibitor chips that, like, essentially make the clones execute Order 66. Because, um, I mean, like, as we're going to discuss when this arc finishes, we, we don't really know where the Bad Batch go. But obviously, like, this arc takes place during the Outer Rim Sieges, which is pretty much where Anakin and Obi-Wan are before the events of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Sort of, like, they've just returned from those when they come to save the Chancellor at the beginning of the movie, episode three. Um, so for me, it's like, where do these where do these four Bad Batch units go? And sort of what what happens to them? Or does Order 66 go off? Um, I mean, I think... I'll quickly go. We'll go through these episodes, and I'm going to say some more about that. But I don't want to give away things that happen in episode four. Took us talking about it, but but it's it's going to be really interesting to talk about. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So basically, in this episode, the sort of the match of free echo finally from the from the computer, which takes time because if they just unplug him straight away, he might die or lose his mind. So they've got to be careful about it. Um. In tech, who's the the bad batch member who's great with great with. Um, technology and has a high uh, intellectual level um, is like very careful and saying that we need to be careful sort of releasing them but because it takes a while that means the escape gets cut off by these D-wing air support droids in the Techno Union um, and the sort of Skywalker and the Bad Batch come in and then they end up hiding in this stasis chamber um, and they end up welding the door shut which I thought was really cool yeah uh, again, showing how versatile these these bad batch clones are. Um, and then, like, another thing is that, like, sort of, they're stuck in this room, the droids are stuck outside, and then sort of what on board in the Techno Union leadership actually come to the door. Uh, and that's where sort of what on board mentions the decimator. And that's basically like a prototype combat droid and it, it vaporizes organic life, which sounds like a very horrific weapon. Yeah. Uh, and then what Anakin does is they, uh, they decide to escape through like a, there's like an air vent hatch in the ceiling. Um, 
basically what happens is uh, the clones and stuff climb up. Um, Wrecker has the last one there. And then the Decimator comes in the room. And like he's quite scared. But Anakin uses the force to pull Wrecker up into the into the hatch above. So it sort of saves his life and saves the clones. Um, I thought this was quite cool because um, although I said about episodes one and two, I thought Wrecker was quite sort of in your face about how like different he was. I've noticed it's like settled down a bit this episode, episode three. And I think obviously the reason why they had him so loud and brash in the first two is so you get a noise character like quickly. Um, and I thought when he gets pulled into the hatch here, he's like quite like, he doesn't say it, but you can tell he's probably quite thankful to be working with like with the Jedi, which I don't think the bad batch do often. Yeah. Um, but, and, Obviously, Rekka's tossing the clones up as well. So Rekka ends up using his strength to toss the clones up. Um, obviously, Anakin declines his help, and he jumps up. And obviously, said Rekka's sort of on his own. And then sort of Anakin saves him by levitating using the Force. Um, but before Rekka does get pulled up into the air chute, he does uh, plant several detonators uh, all over the sort of stasis chamber. Um, then after Skywalker saves him, and that decimator goes in and goes off, and then it's like, oh, it hasn't killed anyone. And the droids are like, oh, there's no organic material in there for it to destroy. Um, obviously, the the blow the detonators and it blows that machine up. Um, the Wattam ball looks pretty furious. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he sort of vows vengeance on Skywalker and the clones. Um, I thought it was quite cool when they jumped up through. I thought the hatch was quite reminiscent of like... Uh, well, two things: the Millennium Falcon top hatch, yeah, and I, I also was reminiscent of the um, the hatch in Rogue One when Jyn was climbing up the. Um, after she's got the plans of the Death Star, she sort of climbs up the central control column, and then climbs out onto the roof through like an air chute that's timed. Um, I had I got sort of that sort of feeling watching this, like like George Lucas always said, Star Wars is poorly. I thought I saw this scene here. Like again, although this show is animated, I think it goes show up with like all the Star Wars projects that all have that sort of same feel and look. Um, no matter what time it's set in, or like I said, what medium, whether it's an animation or whether it's a live action, or like same if it was a comic book. Yeah, which I think it's really cool to have that sort of um, that DNA sort of weave through it. it, makes it all very similar. Yeah, I I agree. Um, so sort of the the clones and Anakin then start to sort of navigate their way through the sort of the air duct system um, or the cooling systems um, sort of Rex, Rex asks, asks Echo sort of like how does how did he know because it was, it was Echo who told him to like go up above and to escape that way so Rex like, how do you know that? And sort of Rex explains that the techno unions, the implants they've given, that have used to access like his brain. Uh, it's worked both ways. So like, they have accessed his memory and his brain to get Republic strategy out. But by doing that, it's a two-way street. So he's had access to sort of to their systems through these implants they've given. Um, and that's what Anakin realizes. This means Echo can find them like a safe route to escape. Um, and that's when sort of the follow sort of echoes arrive and then like um, 
sort of echoes like I do have an escape route, but like it's not one anyone's going to like, and it ends in this sort of narrow pipe, which sort of leads to a, uh, but it's meant to lead to a landing pad. Um, so they end up coming out the side of the building, and then they've got to walk across this narrow pipe that links to another building that has a landing pad on top of it. And as they're going across it, um, D-wing droids come across on one side and then come across on the other. So the heroes are stuck in the middle of this big pipe, uh, sort of fighting for their lives, fighting both ends of the pipe. The D-wing droids um, sort of sort of encroach on them from both sides. Um, and, uh, basically, Wrecker Re- Re- has a fear of heights. We notice here, which I was quite funny. Um, and the end, Crosshair loses his balance and nearly falls. And uh, Rekka sort of uh, catches his comrade and they both fall, but then like dangling. But it was really cool how like Rekka had a fear of heights, but when it did come to Crosshair, like falling, he would have died. But Rekka like didn't let his fear stop him and he, he saved his brothers, the Cones called themselves brothers. Which I thought was really cool because like we've seen them be at loggerheads with each other in the past two episodes, as well as being at loggerheads with the with the regs, with the regular clones, they've also been like fighting with each other a little bit. But then here, as you see, like, he's got a few of height, but he hasn't let that affect them save his friend, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Though in this area with um Echo, do you ever did you have the feeling that since he he kind of has that whole two way thing going, that maybe he could be like secretly turned on to go to the other side? Because I kept thinking throughout this episode that he was going to turn on everybody. So I sort of had like a small feeling of that. So it wasn't like I. So so you're saying you were quite sure of that happening. I was like I had like a small. I had like a doubt in my mind that I was like, is he leading them somewhere on purpose as a trap? But it was like a small doubt. Like I pretty much had. I'd probably say 80% faith that like he was doing good by them. But there was like 20% of my brain was like, oh, like what if he's been corrupted here? Because like it, they were very clear and showing his design where he's almost, almost like that Vader, like more machine now than man. Yeah. And like you can sort of see his limbs, you can see that sort of, he's encased, in, his torso is encased in that thing and he's got the little sort of, um, like little nodes on his skull, like he looks like a monster, like something out of like a like a fragment side horror movie. Do you know what I mean? So it's a bit yeah. like, is, is he is he the same Echo or like or or like do they have control of him here? Um, so I, I had a small doubt about that, but I was hoping that it, that wasn't going to be the case because I thought they've gone through all this peril to save him. I was like, please, please, please let him be savable. Yeah. Um, so when were you expecting to return? Like lead them into a trap with a landing pad or something? Uh, Yeah, especially when he like plugs himself in. I was thinking, oh, maybe he's secretly like, yeah, I'm totally with you guys. But I'm, I'm glad it went the way it did where he wasn't like secretly evil. Yeah. I think they definitely teased that on purpose as well when they when, when they did scenes like that. So it was a bit like he didn't seem too sure of himself when he was saying things, but that's obviously because he's like not long been out of that chamber. But obviously, it, it, it could appear that maybe he's second guessing what he's doing himself, 
which obviously needs could lead to that sort of thought that he's sort of a double agent here. Yeah. Um. So the sort of the stuck on this pipe, they can't get to the they can't get the landing pad, and that's when uh, Tech comes up with a plan. That is that he's got a record that he recorded earlier of the uh, the Cubidax, which is the big winged reptiles that have appeared on this planet before in the previous episodes and uh, he calls them using it and then they've got to jump um, so like the entire party survived the jump uh, and they land on the Kyrodax and they fly off um, but then we find out the D-wing droids are called D-wing droids for a reason <laughs> um, that's because they can those arms that look weird and have wings like actually are wings and they, they put those out and they take flight and they follow the reptiles they follow the Kyridax um, and they're sort of shooting at them all the way um, how do you feel when the droids started to fly? Uh, excited because I I like that there's variations on the droids so they're not all kind of just the same I like that they're able to fly because that makes them kind of scare here. Yeah, definitely. Because for me, I, 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 these droids look like the D-wing droids. I think they look a lot weirder than like um, than the normal battle droids that we've seen in the past. And like, it was just something like I don't know. I don't know if we had the right word. Something sinister. Like they look. Yeah. They look quite sinister. Like, and then obviously when they pop those wings out, I was like, oh god! Like these things are quite a problem here. Like with. <laughs> Not only can they give chase, but like they can they can fly as well. Um, so I was like, uh, I really did feel the threat level go up with these droids, like more than like a B one battle droid where you know like they'll shoot a bit, they'll make a joke, and then they'll get killed. And it's like almost comic relief where like these things were like weird, and I thought in a funny way at first, but then when like I said when they started to fly, it was just like oh god, like these are these are quite uh, quite serious things. Um, I also got like a vibe of like um like flying monkeys from the Wizard of Oz. Oh yeah. Like like quite like I don't know why but I just thought like oh like, these things are are nasty little things here and then when they started to fly I was like oh like just reminding us of Wizard of Oz and them flying monkeys and like when I was a kid and I watched that like they really creeped me out to fly monkeys yeah. and like it, it just took us straight back to that childhood memory of being like freaked out by these flying monkeys was these like these flying droids. Um, so that's all where my mind went with it. Um, so yeah, so so so, so the D-wing droids chased down our heroes on the Kyrodax, and the, the heroes fly straight back to the uh, the Polytech village, uh, which is what they encountered in the previous episode when they sort of made friends with the um, with the locals of the planet. Um, and this way, it gets a bit a bit strange for me. Like the warns of because obviously, like the Polytech leaders sort of impressed that the that they've managed to tame the Kyrodax. But he's also like he made he made very clear to them like he didn't want to be involved in the war. And yet like, they came back. And now they come straight back to the village and it's just like and the joints are chasing them and it's like, what? Um but there's no other part of the planet they can go to. Well, supposedly, yeah. I mean they could have just went straight to the shuttle. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose. But um but yeah, so like the land the land straight in the in the village and like the leader does express his uh, sort of anger. Oh, I, you brought them straight back. Um, Rightfully, sort he of, could be angry. 
oh yeah, well, he's like, he very clearly said, we'll give you, we'll help you scout the area. And then like, after that, you're on your own because we don't want the war here. Like, and they're quite an indigenous, indigenous people. Do you know what I mean? They don't have technology. Um, like they don't have blasters, they don't have spaceships, no speeders, they don't have heavy artillery. Like, they, they, they could, they cannot cope with like, dealing with a droid invasion. Yeah. Um, so you would think like, they're going to lose lives. That's probably why they don't get involved because um, they're outmatched big time. Um, but sort of tech explains that. And then I think Anakin and both Rex like say some things as well where basically like, Rex apologises that they broke the promise of coming back and bringing the water to them. But he like shows them Echo and he's like, look what they've done to my friend. Like this is what they've done to one of us. Like they the, the mutilated him and tortured him, um, and that's when this sort of these polytech leader and all the politics are like, yeah, I'm gonna say that um, the droids are coming anyway, so let's 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 work together. Um, but you see, you sort of you haven't come here for the fun. You've come here because obviously you've, you've rescued your friend, but he was in like, I can see what horrible things have done to him. Yeah. Um, and then they make the decision to sort of join forces and fight, uh, which is quite good. And that is also when we see uh, Tambor sends like a force of deeming droids and two, two like big walkers, but they're like, they're like, they've got like three legs by the looks of it. And they're like a cross between legs and tentacles, I would say. Yeah. And they're actually called, I'm sort of don't butcher this pronunciation. Uh, Octopkara Magna Tri-Droids. That's what I believe the call, if I've pronounced that correctly. Um, and they're sort of like three legs slash tentacles. And they've got like a big, big ball on the top and like three cannons pointing out and that rotates. So they've got quite good, um, quite good aim. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like quite good, ra- quite good range of firing. Uh, so there's two of them coming as well as uh, doing droids. Um, I like how obviously he sends like these forces out, but it's not really like a huge army. And like, again, leads me to thinking that like, I know that the Techno Union have this facility on Skagel Minor, but like, it's obviously like they're in secret. And although he does have forces there, it's not like he has like, huge armies there because again it's a secret place the locals aren't a threat um so like they don't need a high military presence yeah. um so just just two of these uh octopkara magna tridroids sort of going to battle um and sort of the battle starts um and sort of skywalk and the clones sort of uh become allies with the politech uh and the lure the droid army sort of into a valley and then they attack them on all sides uh, and I, well, it wasn't enjoyable, but I did like the fact that they showed the sort of the, like the death to the politics, like quite a few of them die. Yeah. And it mainly is because of like blaster fire and obviously blaster fire going up against what these locals are using, which is essentially, um, it's not what the word would be, but it's, they're using like spears on there and things like that. Like, like non non technological weapons against these droids, and it's just no match. Yeah, their their civilization's too primitive versus these droids. 
and that's probably exactly why they're sort of not doing anything about it. Because they're probably like all oh, the technology you know, here, that's bad, but also we can see what they've got and they can kill whenever they want. Yeah. And all. And also, the Technical Union don't bother us at the minute. Like they live in those towers and do stuff. But like, as long as they say they haven't took our camp off, or took our village off us, so 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 they're fine over there because we can't actually do anything about it because we'll get wiped out. Yeah. Um, but it also shows a bit like a bit like I don't know. Again, it goes like this war is sort of is it a just war? Like, and again, like these locals are being affected, and they're showing you that like. I don't know. For me, Star Wars has always been about hope, and it's always been about sort of, um, although it's called Star Wars, it's it's very anti-war. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I don't know some people have argued differently. They say you know, like, oh, like Star Wars is about about war and how good war is, and like, well, it's not really. It's about the tragedy of war. And again, right here, it sort of shows that like, although we're getting a cool adventure and it's quite fun, but then it shows you here like, with all this is entertainment. Like, look at the emotion here. Like, these guys are, like, this death here. And it's solely because of this silly war that's going on. And, like, nothing good becomes of it. Yeah. And there's pretty much no other choice they have but to go to war. Yeah, definitely. Like I say, as soon as, as soon as the Republic turn up like that, like, there's sort of, there's sort of no choice, yeah. Um, Yeah. So the so the sort of start fighting these uh the octop towers. Uh, there's two of them. Anakin takes on one, and the clones take on another. Um, so if Anakin makes quick work of one using his lightsaber, um, it destroys his eye sensors, and then he slices it on the other side, destroys the other eye, and he starts chopping the cannons off. Uh, makes like a very cool, very cool um move. And he makes that one crash into another one. Um, and it, as it does that, it crushes more of the droids in the bottom, which is quite cool. And then uh, and then the clones are taking out the other one. Um, and then the D-wings that are left fly back to Wattambo empty-handed. So they actually retreat, which I thought was quite like, again, took us back to those, like the flying monkeys flying away and then like scurrying away to give sort of, messages about the Wicked Witch it was quite like see I, I very much got those vibes um, so like I said these the surviving D-Wing droids flee back to Wattambo um, and he 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 um, regards the loss of Echo as a devastating blow to the company's profit margin um, and he's, he's sort of not very happy about it at all um, so back at the village, the Poltech chief praises the bravery in Valab, Skywalker, and the clones. Uh, Rex also praises Echo for his courageous performance during the battle. Um, and sort of, they all sort of board the, uh, the Havoc Marauder, which is the sort of the shuttle that the Bad Batch used to get to places. Um, and then there's a sort of sad moment where sort of Rex apologizes to Echo for not being able to rescue him sooner. Um, but says when they get back, it'll be just like old times. Um, Echo sort of repeats a phrase where he sounds doubtful as he heads for the ship. Um, it's almost as if sort of Rex is like, oh yeah, maybe things are going back to normal, you'll be join up with us, it'll be the same. But like Echo sort of knows that like he's not the same person he was before this all started. Um, 
yeah, it Which can't go back to how it norms or how it used to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's and that's that's the end of the episode. Uh, we get the the rescue mission is a success. Um, although it wouldn't have been, it wasn't for the uh, the local politics. Um, yeah. Overall, overall, I thought this episode was uh, it was really fun. It was very like it was very fast paced. Uh, certainly didn't slow down any parts really. I agree. Um, and I, I really enjoy it. And as sort of the the penultimate episode of this of this arc, I thought it was really cool because now we're going to sort of go back to a nexus, which is where the Republic shipyards are, where they've been getting beat for quite some time. And obviously, the the turn of the tide is going to come because the Separatists now don't have that secret weapon of the algorithm that they've been using. Yeah. Um, have you got any overall thoughts about this episode? Um, did you also feel that when that part at the end where it goes like, yeah, just like old times, do you think that maybe he knows what's going to happen later on? Like, does he know about Order 66? I didn't get that no. from it, but I did get that, like, I don't know. I get the impression that, like, I think if you go if you go back and watch, like, the first few seasons of Clone Wars, the clones very much have, like, the ultimate faith in each other and in the Jedi. Yeah. And I think he, I think here he's a bit, like, and he's not blaming anyone, but like I think it, his faith in that has like diminished a bit because like he was captured and he he was able to be turned into this sort of monster and be used against his friends. And yes, they did finally rescue him, but but it, it's been a while. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, like rescuing so, him and like at what cost? Yeah, but I mean that, that's I mean I wouldn't have he was that what you thought was it that. That maybe he knows about the plans for the future in Order sixty six. Yeah, I thought possibly since he was plugged in and he kind of knows the other side of the information that these people don't. So maybe there's a possibility he knows. Maybe I mean, that would be really cool because I mean I, I'm not aware that the that the, the separatists know about Order sixty six. True. They might do though. Um, there's, there's nothing to say that they don't. Um, and obviously, what we did see here is what Tambor's division here like probably knows more than the normal separatists as well. Yes. So if they have been in touch with the, if they do know a bit more about the grand plan, um, yeah, then 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 yeah, you, you certainly could. That and um, I guess at the end, like we mentioned that. Yeah, they came back to the village, but why would they be happy? Like, yeah, you're a friend of the Jedi, but we destroyed, like, you guys destroyed our village. Yeah, it's very, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's just a bit, I don't know, we're almost, I don't know, it's, it's strange, isn't it? Like, obviously, these technical, maybe it's a sense of, like, like or because obviously those technical beasts are probably like the Keradax probably have no chance of killing them, but like they destroy quite a few of them. Working with the Jedi and the um 
in the clone. So maybe they feel a sense of like achievement there that they've actually managed to like show show the techno union who they haven't been able to stand up against at all. That like look, we can we can only defend ourselves and look what we've done. We've made you run away. Yeah. Maybe but no but it definitely is a lot about how how like basically if you think like those people yes they might have won this battle but like in the long term like a lot of the village has been destroyed they've lost a lot of, lot of soldiers and like tribesmen uh, like in the battle so like once all the adrenaline wears off and the clones leave like they've then got to go and rebuild their lives do you know what I mean and again it's that side of war where it's like it's the side you never see on the television do you know what I mean and the same we don't really see in the story but like, but it is there hinted at. Yeah, and, it, and it's like sort of the the tragic side of that. Yeah. Um. So moving on from that, we move on to sort of episode four, the final episode of the Bad Batch arc, and that is entitled "Unfinished Business." Um, which I thought was a really cool title because for me, I thought that like, for me, the title has two meanings. Like one, it's um it's echoed back with these brothers um, like first time since the Citadel and he's ready to sort of destroy some droids and get in the way of the Separatist plans um, so I thought was, that, that was a really cool title but also unfinished business to like this whole Clone Wars obviously the season got sort of cancelled when Disney purchased Lucasfilm and it's finally back for its final season and we're finishing the story so it's a bit like we had unfinished business with this series, but now we're finally finally getting to finish it now. Yeah. Uh, so I, I took it sort of two ways. Um, the sort of this episode's moral or the uh, fortune cookie is trust placed in another is trust earned. Which for me, again, straight away, I sort of thought it's referencing Echo and like, like as you as you said before because you know like obviously like last episode it hinted that like is he fully good does he fully have control of what he's doing has he been compromised possibly um and if he has been compromised and the technical union know that did they let him escape so that he could go back to the republic and cause more damage there possibly uh, um that's all things that happen but obviously like Anakin and Rex are going to place trust in him um, and it's hard it's, it's a scary thing to trust someone um, but but if you trust the right people who are good people um, like A they'll trust you in return because you've been trusted them and then it could lead to like great friendships and great bonds and it's it's, it's worth it um, although it's scarier for us to do it, it it is worth it um, that's sort of what I got from the from the fortune cookie yeah, I I agree with that too, and um, and also with like the Bad Batch kind of being new to the whole group, it's also them like trusting, like everyone kind of trusting one another, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I mean, like if you go back to the first year, so the introduction of Bad Batch is quite like a, there's definitely a sort of a, there's issues between the Bad Batch and the regular troops. And there's definitely like we see it when sort of uh, when they're trying to save when they when they first have the battle plans when they're on an axis in the first two episodes, like they sort of disagree with each other's um, tactics 
and then also that like the regular clones see the bad batch as like defective and then the the bad batch see the regular clones as maybe like boring and ineffective but then obviously like as we saw in like final moments of the last episode they came together and worked really well like trusted each other and they almost formed like a bond a friendship um and like a they're very much like a, their own team now, like a squad. Uh, so I think that's a, that's a great point, that Christina. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, that totally escaped me. Totally brought that up there. Um, no, definitely. Uh, so 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 we're going this episode with like not only what Echo back, but like the bad batch are integrated in with like Rex and Anakin, and like the sort of working together as a team now, which is like really really cool. Yeah. Um. So sort of this. This episode sort of starts with um, obviously they've got Echo back who had a briefing with uh, Jedi generals, Jedi masters, Mace Windu, Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, with the sort of briefing Anakin Skywalker and Rex. They've got a planetary taking action on the separatists. Um, obviously, Echo is no longer the separatists no longer have the algorithm, so they kind of guess what the separatists. Sorry, they kind of guess what the Republic were going to do. Um, in Echo Strutty wants to be like involved in the war effort um, and he makes that known during this this uh, this briefing um, and Rex is sort of cautious because um, he's not he's not sure if Echo is ready yet so I, I took this two ways I took it first as like obviously in war like if you go through horrific things, like it affects you mentally and physically. And obviously, we've seen physically what it's done to him. Like, to me, he's been mutilated and tortured and experimented on. Um, and mentally, like, we don't exactly know what's happening mentally, but it, it must be. Obviously, what happened was very tragic, and it's definitely t- took its took its toll on him mentally. Um, like, my dad served in the in in the British Navy, for example, and like. Like you hear stories from his friends and stuff, and and like you hear stories from like from veterans and it's like the post traumatic stress disorder have been in these situations, and um, they're not normal situations for the human to be in. Um, and like I said, it can cause horrific like mental anguish. Um, so sort of our sort is Rex sort of taking care of his friend, being like, I'm not sure if Echo is ready to come back in the war because he's been through so much. Yeah, but. But also, sort of what you said before, Christina, I think's bang on point about like, is he? Could he be a double agent? Obviously, he's he's been plugged into the separatists for so long. Is he fully? Is he fully Echo? Or is he not quite Echo and a little bit separatist? Um, and I got that vibe from Rex as well. Like, a more look after him. B like, we don't know fully what's happened to you yet. Type of thing. Yeah. Uh, one thing I got to see I was like uh, window straight away like just wants to see how it was planned yeah and like I don't know something about me is windows portrayed in this arc I just find him a bit I don't know a little bit not warm well he's not warm on, I know he's quite an aggressive Jedi like as far as Jedi go like he's not dark side but he's like can be aggressive and obviously he's very very like um, he's a very good warrior he's one of the best warriors the Jedi have like in combat, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. But like, considering he's like second in command of the Jedi Council, like, I just find him like, I don't know, like, he's just, he's willing to put like all morals aside, like, win this war. And like, when you consider, when you think about it, tragically, like, this is a war they can't win anyway, because it's not a real war. And they're being played. Like, it, it just makes us think that, like, I don't know. I don't really have sympathy for Mace Windu like when he's acting like this as to what happens because like you you went in you as soon as this war started you just went with it and we're just like get in I can't wait to fight this war if you know what I mean where like at least Yoda and that are like the the sad about the war do you know what I mean and, like they don't really want to be involved and where they can they'll try and not fight if that makes sense yeah um, but like he's very much like in this arc very much like oh well Echo's got a plan and it gives us the edge and we can destroy, create more destruction and then let's do it. There's no thought of like, A, Windu has no sympathy over Echo's situation. Um, like, is he okay to be, to be put back in the system and like fighting? And then obviously B, like, is Echo actually like on our team? <laughs> we need to give him time because just think if he's not, Mace Windu, he has put in the whole, the whole battle at risk here in jeopardy so yeah that, that, that it made us think that about mace windu and like it's funny because when i was younger like when i first watched Attack the clones like i love mace windu I, I loved him so much i really wanted a mace windu figure and i couldn't find it anywhere i tried for like for probably for like two years trying to find a mace windu action figure i couldn't find one because it got sold out and i actually was at disneyland paris on a holiday and uh and they had one there and i finally bought disneyland paris I remember thinking, like, I've come to, like, the best place on Earth, Disneyland, and I found a Mace Windu figure as well. It was, like, a combination of, like, made that extra special for us because I've been searching for that type of figure for so long. Yeah. And um, that's how I thought about him then. Like, loved him, and, like, I loved how he was, like, quite edgy, like, the fight. But, like, now, that's probably me as, like, a 12-year-old, but, like, me now as, like, a 31-year-old, and, like, watching this, I'm just a bit like, ah, like, you're going in here a bit too gung-ho, Mace. You need to just, like, chill out and calm down. Like, remember, you're a Jedi. Or maybe he felt it in the Force that, yeah, he's he's fine. Let's get going. <laughs> Mate, I mean, he could have done, yeah. That's, that's right, I suppose. Um, yeah, so, I agree. Sort of, like, he, he's going a little bit too gung-ho, just like, yeah, let's go, let's go. Let's not even think about this. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose it could be because, like, they're about to lose the planet, maybe. Maybe they are desperate. Like, they need to act quickly, I suppose. Like I said, the, as that has been shown throughout the arc in his defense, is that, like, they are losing an axis. So, yeah. like, as this goes on, like, they're getting close to losing it completely. Um, so, we hear Echo's plan, and it's to infiltrate the separatist uh, Dreadnought, the one that Admiral Trench, which is the big spider general. Well, oh, sorry, big spider admiral, and um, who sort of clicks when he talks. Um, his ship, um, and he's going to mislead them with information, uh, like give them false strategies to to sort of secure a project on an access. Um, and window and can all be consent to the plan. Um, for me, it's quite cool because I like how like. What Tambo is obviously like so upset about what's happening on Thingy that he's not passed it on. Yeah. Like through the command chain that like, oh we've lost we've lost the algorithm, we've lost the experiment. So 
you're on your own. He sort of like kept that to himself, probably in hopes of coming up with a new plan or, or reacquiring Echo maybe. But like because he hasn't done that, it leads to this plan actually being able to happen. Where if he just straight up went, oh, the Republic have been here and they've took they've took the Alga with them, then like then the Separatists wouldn't be prone to this plan working on them. Yeah. So again, it's sort of that sort of deception here is like it's deception is not a good thing in life because, like I said here, if they just being if if what Campbell being honest with the rest of the separatists, this plan wouldn't be allowed to take place. Yeah. Um, so the plan is that like Skywalker, Rex, Echo, and the Bad Batch are gonna depart for the uh, the separatist dreadnought um, on the Havoc Marauder, which is the Bad Batch show. Um, and Kenobi and Windu are going to lead a ground assault um, against the Separatists on an axis. Um, so as a fine, they'll get some cool jokes. Obviously, Rick Re- Avalon's about to be in a stealth mission because he loves smashing things up. <laughs> he says he hates the word stealth. Um, and Echo proves, does his first little thing here where like he, yeah. Transmits a signal cloaking the ship as a separatist shuttle, um, which I thought was quite cool. But again, this was the first bit I was like, is he going to give them up here? And you could see by the looks on some of the faces, we're like, uh, we're letting him do this, but like, do we actually know what he's doing? Like, is he doing what he's saying he's doing? Yeah. Um, but he is. And like I said, he, he masks the ship as a separatist shuttle, TC59. Um, and they managed to dock on board the uh, the dreadnought. Um, and while that's happening, sort of the, uh, there's some wire wing fighters or bombers even uh, sort of flying in with covering gunships and the sort of Arc 170s as well, uh, distracting the vulture droids as Kenobi and Window advance. Um, and they end up jumping down into sort of an assembly plant. And that's when Windu does a big speech, which I thought was, was quite a funny speech. Uh, sort of tells the Beagle battle droids, gives them a chance to surrender. And Beagle are programmed to do like good things to the Republic. Um, he mentions how many of them he's destroyed in this war. And the droids just decide to fire on him. And then the clones come through the scene as well. They sort of help. And that's sort of reminiscent of... Um, what happens on Utapar in Revenge of the Sith, episode three, and Kenobi's like uh, about to fight Grievous and he's outnumbered loads, and then the clones come down from the ceiling on the ropes. So again, we're getting that sort of that Star Wars poetry, that Star Wars feel, that Star Wars DNA, sort yeah. of that strung for everything like coming through there. So like again, I felt really like when that happened, I thought, yeah, yeah, like this is like this is Star Wars. Um so that that was pretty cool how like the, the ground battle starts and like there's a lot of battle droids there um, and like and Trench is quite like laughing and sort of happy because he's like reckons the, it's, it appears the Republic are A very arrogant and B are very desperate to launch such a big assault like all or nothing assault um, but obviously he's not aware of the second plan which is Echo, Anakin, and the Bad Batch and Rex sort of on board his ship, and he doesn't know they're there. Uh, And while they're there, obviously they infiltrate the interface unit, and they put the plan to action. Um, 
So Trent or has the tactical droid to contact Skakel Miner for Echo's algorithm because again, uh, what Tambor's not notified anybody because he's probably a scared and be uh, embarrassed the fact he's lost it. <laughs> um, so he asks for the algorithm and um, posing as the al- algorithm, Echo plugs in and uh, he advises the Admiral to mobilise all troops to the assembly plant, claiming that the Republic will send all their reinforcements there due to their faith in the Jedi, which I thought was quite like a backhanded comment, like from Echo, because like, really the Republic do put all their faith in the Jedi. Like they expect so much from the Jedi, because the Jedi should not be involved in the war anyway. Like the Republic should have its own army from, from, from the beginning of the story, should have their own army really. Like the Jedi shouldn't be used as an army. Like we all keep us in the peace. Like, but then the fact that they rely on them as generals here, um, and like obviously the Palpatine's plan, so he knows about it. But like all the other senators and stuff, like shouldn't be going along with it. They should go, oh well, no, like our generals should be military men. Like Jedi aren't used for that. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like you know it's quite tragic, really. Like when you think about what happens, but. But I thought this comment was like, they're going to put all their faith in the Jedi. It's like, well, yeah, like, if you think about all the good senators, so like Padme, um, Bill Organa, um, like, they do put all their faith in the Jedi. Yeah. And then Palpatine's big plan is to take them off the board, and when he does, then, like, they've got nothing left. Do you know what I mean? They have to start building a rebellion from scratch. Um, because they put all their faith in the Jedi. Um so Admiral Tretch is sort of like gloating and deploys more reinforcements to the assembly plant. Um, sort of uh, Tech sort of picks up the transmission from Trench and he informs his comrades. And then uh, Hunt, Hunter seems like concerned by it. He's like the leader of the Bad Batch. Um, but then Echo explains. And again, they tell the story in a certain way where like Echo does things and it could be seen as, is he going to screw them over? Is he working for the separatists? Yeah. And then we, then it shows you that sort of reaction of, of our good characters, like, is he? And then we get the explanation. So it takes us down that sort of like, again, he, I was like, ah, like I had a lot of faith in him. So I was probably only like 5% of us was thinking he's double crossing them here, but it was still like a little bit of doubt. So I was like, oh no, please don't like, please don't double cross them. Um, but then it explains like, oh, we're going to, Plans to send feedback horses to shut down the separate droids. Um, and then Anakin then informs with no Kenobi of the plan. Um, and like they sort of make a joke that it's like Skywalker's plan and that it's always off the cuff and he doesn't know what he's doing, he makes it he goes along, which I thought was quite funny. Yeah. Um, so sort of all the separate droids are like at the assembly plant. Um, Echo uses the pulse to shut them down. And like Trench is very shocked. And that's in the tactical droid tells them that the the source of the pulse that shut the droids down come from the dreadnought. And that's when Trench realizes that like oh we're being infiltrated. He sends their droids after the um and that's when Trench uses his backup plan, he's got a giant bomb beneath the assembly plant on a nexus. And that is when uh, Echo decides that he can find a way to stop it while Skywalker heads to Admiral himself. So basically what happens is that uh, the big, there's a big bomb. Windu goes to stop it. 
and there's a raised shield, but he can use the force on it. And then, um, but he doesn't know the code. So, but Echo's plugged in, so Echo starts telling the numbers. But before he can get to the last number, uh, Trench sends like a, a pulse through the system that locks Echo out. I have to pull him out. Um, so there's one number left that he can't get. So Skywalker heads with Trench himself so he can interrogate him and get out of him. Um, basically, what happens, Kenobi? Well, what what did you think of this bit? Obviously, this bit's where, like, obviously, Anakin comes across, um, like, heads to the bridge and gets to the bridge, takes out some droids. Um, and then, like, he wants the number from the Admiral. Entrenched, like, sort of laughs at him and says, like, you, you, you can't do anything to me. Like, you, you're not going to hurt us. And then, like, Anakin, like, slices off three of his tentacles, the, the metal ones. Yeah. And then he's like, I have no such weakness. And, like, quite like a, I wouldn't say evil, but, like, it's almost like with a disdain for the Jedi, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I thought, like, I was sort of, I was glad they did it because it's sort of shown Anakin's descent. But it also, like, caught us off guard. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, same here. And, like, it reminded us of the tragedy to come, and, like, it made me heart sink a little. I was like, oh, no. Like, he's feeling that way about it. Yeah. It's it's not good. Starting to show that, yeah, his disdain for the Jedi in the sense that he's not the same as the other ones. And that by doing things the Jedi way, that, like, it holds them back. Yeah. But like, he doesn't let that be a weakness to him anymore because he's going to do things his way. Um, but it, 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 to be, it does get him the number. Yeah. And Windows, Windows deactivates the bomb. And then Trench, for some silly reason, goes to activate these like, staff and goes to let recruit Anakin. And he actually manages to get him with it. And then Anakin just stabs him through the chest. Um, which, I mean, that one there. I didn't mind because I was like, he's attacked him and then I can stop him. Yeah. So like, I was like, that's not evil. That's just like, do you know what I mean? The guys, you've given, you've given the reason to stab you now and they've done it. But like, the first one where he just likes the tentacles off was a bit like, ah, come on. Yeah, it's like, a bit that's, like. That's, it's not very Jedi way, yeah. Um, so, that brings us to like elsewhere in the Dreadnought, the clones are fighting back against the countless battle droids. Uh, Rekka charges at them and is like fighting them, ripping them apart and using knives and stuff, which is really cool. Uh, like crosshairs planting solar detonators across the ship's corridor and on battle droids. Um, and sort of Skywalker, while he's on the bridge after he's killed um, Trench, um, sort of does something on the except this computer, and it, it pulls out, like, a handle. And it's like a self-destruct stick for the ship. And, like, he makes a comment that, like, oh, right, that's going to love this. Um, and do you notice when Anakin leaves the bridge, he uh, wishes the Admiral uh, goodbye. Yeah. It was quite, like, oh, again, it was just a bit... It was fun, like, and funny, but because of the line before where he said, like, I have no such weakness, and, like, showed it the same for the Jedi, it was a bit, like... Again, just reminders of that sort of dark path he's going to be going down very soon. And it just sort of made us 
the heart sink a bit, which I mean, that's definitely what it was designed to do. I think obviously, like it's foreshadowing what's to come. But yeah. but yeah, I said yeah, I was I was feeling quite sad. Um, so the Manchu escaped to the Marauder uh, in the Depart, and that's when Anakin gets back at the remote, and uh, he blows up the Dreadnought, and it, that ends blowing up the surrounding ships as well. Um, and we sort of end the episode with sort of Windu, Kenobi, and Skywalker sort of praising the courage of Beckle, Rex, and the Bad Batch. Um, sort of, oh, we all mentioned that the clones will have medals in the way soon. <laughs> Uh, but the bad batch aren't going to attend the ceremony. They're saying they're not fighting in the war for the sake of medals. Hunter asks Echo if he's sure medals are his thing. Um, and sort of, you can see here the bad batch obviously are sort of mutated clones. And obviously, Echo is he's not so much mutated, but he's he's been like, I don't know what the word would be. He's well, he has been mutilated. Yeah. by the separatists if you know what I mean so like he's very much not a regular co anymore either like again he resembles something more machine than man so all of these clones are all biological and that's what makes them different Echo's like looks more machine now than man that makes him different um, and that's what Rex tells like well if you consider as a bad batch um, basically tells him that like the bad batch are fine troopers um and he's, he's, he's really learned a lot from fighting alongside them, although I had troubles at the start. Um, and he tells sort of Michael that if he feels that he's better off with a bad batch, then then that's where you need to go. I don't think you need to stay here or look to me, or I'm going to force you to stay. Like, I'm glad you're alive, but if you think your place is with them, then then do it. And that's when this sort of really cool moment happens. Echo goes off with them. Rex walks away. Rex turns around. Echo does a salute. And then all the bad batch do a salute to Rex. And that's how the episode ends. And I thought it was really cool moment because it's like, again, this this arc began with the Bad Batch not really don't like not liking Rex and the Regs, seeing them as like holding them back. Um, and sort of the feeling was felt again where Rex was like, oh, these guys are too wild and a bit different. But here I would say like the respect, the respect from both sides is like really good. And the fact the Bad Batch salute them as well, I thought was like really really cool. Yeah. What was your um, favourite part of this episode? Uh, let's see. I think that part at the end where they're saluting each other, where it shows, like, we're ending this arc on a very happy note in a, in a way. Well, kind of somber, but happy in that they're respecting one another. And that maybe yeah. this won't be the last time we see Echo or the Bad Batch. Yeah, because I mean, like, obviously the whole episode's been like quite tense. It was so episode the whole arc's been quite tense, and like, um, obviously here you see like they've got Echo back. The the Republic's reclaimed a nexus, so they can start rebuilding ships there. Um, so all that tension sort of gone. Obviously, in Obviously, some things have been lost along the way. Like you, you never have victory without losing something. And like, but but you see, like Echo joining the bad batch is like it, it's a it's a good thing, really. And although like Rex went all that effort to save him, and now he's not going to be fighting with him, it could be like a somber thing. It is, but like him joining the bad batch, like they can go and do good elsewhere now. Um, but yeah, like we'll never we'll see the bad batch come back because. 
for me, it's like, will the Bad Batch commit Order 66? I mean, the question I want to be like, I don't know where they're going next, because as we know, found out in this arc, the Bad Batch don't really know who they take orders from exactly within the Republic. Yeah. So, like, is it Palpatine directly, or is it someone else, or, like, who knows? And if they're not fighting the Jedi Generals, because they seem not to do that a lot, um, then then they won't even need to do it because there won't be any Jedi around them to kill. Uh, but it would be cool. I would not like those happen if they, if they are fighting with, with Jedi Generals at the time. Um, and I also know what the path is after. So there's obviously like, there's five of them now because obviously Echo's joined them. So like, I wonder what happens after the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Empire. Obviously, clones are still used a little bit in the Empire's reign. So I wouldn't have to use like a special task force for the Empire, maybe. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It's strange. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's weird. Because, the other, because they haven't really fought with Jedi, I can see them like believing the lies that Palpatine tells about the Jedi. But for Echo, like that would be different because he has, he's got bonds to Kenobi and to Anakin. So I wonder what it would be like for him. Uh, like I said, if they all have these chips in their heads, then like I said, they're going to turn anyway. But because they're mutated, I wonder if they actually have them. And I wonder Echo, if when they turn that stuff to his head, whether that's like disrupted his or not. Yeah. But questions to come. Because obviously the next arc after this arc is an Ahsoka arc. Um, which takes place before the events of this arc, if that makes sense. So this arc takes place during the Outer Rim Sieges, which is very close to very close to um Revenge of the Sith. And the next arc, the Ahsoka arc, takes place um more or less quite recently after she left the Jedi Temple. Um so outer procedures aren't happening yet. Um, and we're going to obviously learn about how Ahsoka deals with life being outside the Jedi Order. And then obviously after that arc, we then go to Siege of Mandalore, which will then take place after this arc. So we're almost doing, it's funny, like <laughs> we see Star Wars as portraying stuff because we sort of had the first arc, like the original trilogy, then the next arc, the Ahsoka arcs, a prequel to this one, and then the third and final arc of the season, Siege of Mandalore, is a sequel to the first arc. So it, it mirrors the trilogies. It mirrors the original to the prequel to the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Which I wonder if that was done on purpose. Uh, knowing Dave Filoni and what he's like, I can imagine that was definitely a thought. Yeah. I haven't uh, watched the latest download for this episode yet, but... I wonder if they, maybe they speak about that there at some point later on. Yeah, so for those listening, uh, there's a thing called Clone Wars Download. It, it's on the Star Wars YouTube channel, isn't it? Is that correct? Yeah. So I've only watched a few of them, and it, it, it's similar to what Rebels Recon was, although I don't think it's as good, but it's similar to Rebels Recon for Rebels, where it was like a behind-the-scenes look. So you get the you get a behind-the-scenes look at each Clone Wars episode, Uh you get interviews with Dave and stuff, which are really cool. Um, so I recommend anybody who sort of wants more information on the Clone Wars to sort of go to Star Wars YouTube channel and check out um, 
Clone Wars download. Um, so I've only seen the first like three Clone Wars download actually. I need, I need to get caught up. Um, Same. Yeah, but so I wouldn't know what gets said there about this. Yeah, you're right. Because I mean, for me, obviously, Ahsoka is like the number one character for the Clone Wars. I think it's pretty much fair to say. Like everybody's favorite character is Ahsoka. Yeah. So when it come back, obviously that's a big thing. Like, but the fact they've gone Bad Batch first, and then Ahsoka. I mean, I mean, I quite like it because like, for me, it got back to Clone Wars. We've got to see the battle. We've got to see the separatists set into that sort of that war type feel. And then obviously with the Ahsoka missions coming, that's going to be probably set away from the war. Obviously, the war's going on in the background, but it's going to be more about her life after the Jedi and how she adapts to normal life, if that makes sense. Yeah. And also how she comes about getting involved in the Siege of Mandalore. Um, so I think probably, I don't know, for me, as a, I don't know, it's funny to make that decision to go like, right, we're going to start with a bar back and we're going to not mention it, so we're going to steer away from Ahsoka. When like Ahsoka's like the face of this, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It would be like, I don't know. Well, maybe be... they wanted us to be introduced to some new characters, have some tension, and then kind of rein it back for a couple more episodes and then just hit you with all the feels in the last part and maybe the Bad Batch comes back and everything comes together by all the characters beating up. Yeah. Oh, so, so you think the Bad Batch are going to be involved in the Siege of Mandalore? Maybe. I'm hoping. That would be cool. I've never thought of that, actually, so that, that's really cool. I hope it happens, actually. Because, um, yeah, that would be kind of weird if they're introduced for just a few episodes, and especially this being like kind of like a final season. Shouldn't If we focus so much, like four episodes on new characters, shouldn't they come back later? Well, well yeah, this is my thought exactly. So, like, I, I 100% agree with you, but I worry that because they've said it's 12 episodes, that they're like, the box themselves and they're like, well, the box. So like for me, I would love from this, from this, I would have loved to have seen future arcs with like just the bad batch on missions, like the five of them now, obviously with Echo. Yeah. Like you could have, say, say if this was a normal season, it was 24 episodes, roughly, um, like 22 to 24 episodes a season. Then you could have like, you could have the Ahsoka arc and then after that arc, you could have had a bad batch arc where, oh, guess what? It's the five of them now. We've got Echo and he had doing this on some planet, like behind enemy lines, trying to steal information again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, like, and you could have referenced them there and gone and told that story. And then obviously, and then you could have probably done like, a few more arcs before you get to Siege of Mandalore. Um, where you could have seen more of them because it's only 12 episodes. Like, I wonder. Like, they can't all be too much filler if there's only 12. So, it can't be, you would think. But I, I worry that, like, obviously this was one of the sort of... Um, sort of unfinished episodes. So, like, this this story premiered in April 2015 in Celebration Anaheim, um, just as the animatronic sort of... Uh, like, the raw, the raw shot animation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, and it was released online like at the at the end of the month. 
so it was like streamless Anaheim, and then by the end of that month, it was online. It was online. I think it's been taken off since, but you can watch it. Um, I know you can you, see the Ahsoka parts. Those animatics are still up. Yeah, so I think maybe I don't know if they chose this because they had it already rent, like uh, they already had the like the hard part shot that's had to render the animation. If that makes sense. Yeah. Or. Or, or will it actually play into Siege of Mandalore? Um, so it's quite off to say because I mean, I would love to see them appear, but I wouldn't know if that would be too much storytelling for like four episodes because you're going to have like more Soga Rex. Yeah. Like that whole there. But maybe, I don't know. I mean, it would be cool. I would love it if like these guys rock up. In Siege of Mandalore, or a sixty-six goes off, and like these guys aren't affected, so they're like they end up backing up Ahsoka. If you know what I mean, like I don't know what's going on, but like it hasn't happened to us. We'll get you out of here. Um, like whatever happens to Rex, because he's, I'm guessing Rex gets his chip taken out somehow, as we learn in the Rebels. Um, but I'm guessing he turns first. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to see if the, if the if the bad batch are like the reason why he didn't kill Ahsoka. Maybe the bad batch got in the middle. Yeah. Maybe that would be really cool, actually, wouldn't it? That would be yeah, I like that idea. We will find out in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, my favorite part of this episode was um, I, I don't know about my so the bit with Anakin in Admiral Trench. Although I said before, like, it gave us, like, the chills a bit and, like, oh, I mean, it was feel a bit sad, like, but it was my favourite part because, like, it's not shying away from the fact that, like, this man will become Darth Vader and it doesn't happen overnight and he's, like, he's already on the steps to that fate. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, that really good punched me, like, it. Not in a good way, but like in a good way because like it's really emotional storytelling. Um, so like I really enjoyed that. Uh, when I say I enjoyed it, I enjoyed it when I didn't. If that makes sense, but but I really like I really sort of like that they did that. They went there with it. They weren't shying away from it. Um, and obviously the fact they do that, like obviously it's it's, it's a kids show. Do you know what I mean? It's designed for children, but the fact that they're, they're dealing with the complexities of that here. Is is brilliant and doing it in such a subtle way. Um, like they're I think not it's just afraid more... to, they're not shying away from that type of stuff. Yeah, and I think because they're so masterful in the way they tell the stories that they can they can do that without like scaring children. The children will feel like a bit down on the side, like I have, but like not they won't be hysterical. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's because of the way the like masterful storytellers like and that comes from obviously how George has taught Dave. Um, but yeah, like I'm so glad they went there and like didn't shy away from it. And that they went, you know, we can deal with these almost adult themes. And again, like the whole point of Star Wars is to get children ready for like for what lies ahead. If you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna be tempted by darkness. You're gonna see other people do bad things, but like you always have the choice to be better. Um, regardless of what other people are doing and regardless of what you're tempted with, you could you can always make a better decision, that type of thing. So I could see Anakin here sort of 
maybe making a wrong decision as we go down the line, we're going to see him make more wrong decisions. But it's like that doesn't mean that you can like you held account like that that doesn't mean that you can that, that define you as a person. Like you can always make the better decision, which obviously like Anakin does down the line. So like to show you Anakin doing these dark things here, I think it's like A it's foreshadowing what's gonna happen to Anakin, but B it's like like anybody, like the hero of the Clone Wars can be tempted by darkness. So like you will be tempted as well. Like we all are, but you you can make that choice to be better. So like try not to go on Anakin's path you can avoid it because it you know, leads to like tragedy. Yeah. Um but even if it does, the lesson of the trilogy the original trilogy is that you can still no matter how trapped you feel on the decisions of the past, you can still make a decision in the future for the better. Um and like I said, that's all being told in like a in content that's for children. That's like really powerful to do that. I think to actually do that. I think that's why it resonates with so many people. Yeah. Um not not just children but adults as well. Yeah. Um so the next episode is Gone with the Trace. Um, so that is the first story in the new arc. So obviously we'll, once we've watched those, we'll be coming back to talk about those. Yeah. Um, Christina, what's your thoughts on the Bad Batch arc as a whole? Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I really, really liked it. I, um, as the episodes went by, I started liking the Bad Batch themselves more. Because at first I was like, oh, some of these characters are a little bit not not my flavor of characters. But over time, I'm like, yeah, I'm starting to like them more. Especially Tech. Tech is still my favorite since he was first introduced. Um, but I, yeah, I, I like that they're showing a little bit more of what's what's happening little like before we get into it's like the calm before the storm of the end of the season and like the trials and tribulations of the of everybody trying to get along with new people and what is happening i guess in a way um what about you so mine was obviously like i think i mean no uh i didn't shy away from the fact i wasn't a fan of how like in your face um i reckon i wasn't like the first two episodes yeah but like but in these two like i said i've I've really sort of enjoyed Rekka. um i really enjoyed tech as well i thought Rekka and tech are the two who get the most to do and we get to see them do quite a lot of things where i think that hunter and um what's the sniper one called again i've got his name uh uh, well, that names. that just proves like we don't see much of them that we are can't remember their names. Yeah, so there's one of the leader who like again I, he doesn't really do much in the next few ones, and then obviously like the the sharpshooter guy. So they do less as it goes on, um, which I think that's a problem with like again this is why we could have another arc down the line with the five of them, and we could have shown you more of their their tactics and their what they're good at. Um, but yeah, so like I really, although I started off not really liking how in your face wreck I was and stuff, like I said I did actually really enjoy him in the last two episodes. Uh, and like I said, tech tech's really flushed out, and you get to see how clever he is and how he deals with different situations in such good ways. Um, so so I enjoyed that and how it turned, how like, and it's almost like it was done on purpose. So like 
again. So I didn't really like them at the start. I thought they were too in your face. But that's how Rex felt about them yeah. as well in the story. And then, like, and then as it's gone on in the final episodes, I appreciate them and enjoy them a lot. And, like, Rex appreciates them and enjoyed fighting with them and they help them. So it's almost as if, like, again, that was done on purpose, like masterful storytelling. So I've been on sort of feeling the same as Rex has about them. Yeah. And oh, then obviously, Crosshair. As, that's what his name is. Crosshair. <laughs> that's the one, Crosshair. So, yeah, like, he does a lot in the first two ways, like shooting things and or shooting the grenades in the air and stuff and sliding and sniping people. But I feel like in the last in the last two, he hasn't really done much because he doesn't talk much. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't really been up to much. And obviously, like, I feel like Tech's been a lot, like, obviously he, he called the Curadax. He spoke the native tongue, the language, to the Apolitex. Um, he's the one who unplugged Echo and helped them get out. He's the one who tracked the signal for them. Like, he learned about the signal and where it was on Skako Minor. Uh, so like text on like the most really, yeah. Then Rega, then Hunter, then Crosshair, like in that order, I think. Um, but yeah, so like I, I enjoyed going on that journey of not really liking them much at first, but by the time we got to episode four and the final episode, like I'm on board with them and I, I like them quite a lot, and that's sort of the same as what happened with Rex. So it'll be on the same journey as Rex um, with them, which is like I said, that'll be no coincidence. That'll be what Dave Filoni designed when he was creating a story um yeah and uh not just Dave but obviously like I mean the, the, the whole arc was written by uh so I'm going to butcher some more names Brent Friedman and Matt Michinovitz Matt Mitch Novavets sorry there we go that's the one yeah. excuse that first pronunciation and then um they wrote all four episodes and episode two was written by them both and Dave Filoni um and we had four different directors. Episode one was directed by uh, Kyle Dunlevy. Episode two by Stuart Lee. Episode three by uh, Bosco NG. And episode four was directed by uh, Brian Cullen O'Connell. Um, so four different directors, but same writing team throughout. Um, which is probably what you want, to be fair, from an arc. You want the same creative team sort of writing it. And obviously, each episode has a different feel, so you can bring in a different director. Um, so I noticed the next arc's written by Dave Filoni and Charles Murray, all four episodes. Um, so again, we're going to get that same cohesiveness, I'd imagine, in the storytelling for the next four in that arc. And obviously, each episode does have different directors, which again, I don't mind, because uh, the story can have the same cohesiveness and obviously just be shot differently and um that gives us so it doesn't feel repetitive that makes sense yeah like a new take, uh, new flair per episode yeah yeah like because each, each episode is going to be like i think of it like different flavors of a meal so like the whole meal needs to needs to uh be in sync with each other if that makes sense so you need the same writers writing it because it all needs to make sense and you be part of this on the same plate together but each item of the meal needs to taste different so you need to have different directors on the individual episodes if that makes sense yeah um you can tell of food always bringing food into conversation mm -hmm. um so 
Obviously, I'm really looking forward to taking a step back from the war with the next arc. Obviously, we get the Ahsoka arc. I love Ahsoka. She's a great character. Um, I'm excited for a new Ahsoka because obviously it's going to be Ahsoka away from the Jedi. So that's going to be something new for us as fans to watch and learn. Yeah. Um, and to sort of go through how she adapts to life outside the temple because it's going to be difficult. Um, sort of obviously we addressed before that obviously there's only like 12 episodes three arcs um have you read any of the so obviously there's a comic book uh, Darth Mawson of Dathomir which is a four episode arc which was um was written for the final season but again the final season didn't happen uh, and there's also a novel called Dark Disciple which was an eight episode arc um with a Sarge Ventress and Quinn and Voss and that's now a novel by uh by Christy Golden uh have you uh, read the comic or the novel, Christina? I have not. Not yet. It, uh, so. It, it's on my to-do list. I have a huge list of books to read and comics. Yeah. So, I mean, Son of Dathomir is, um, so I remember, sort of, I got back into Star Wars around 2015, to be fair. Like, I hadn't really been a fan much I had I'd been like a big fan since I was like four age four to like I don't know I'm going to say 20 25 maybe roughly um but I didn't choose not to be a fan anymore and I was a fan so I always had that knowledge but like I wasn't really like actively chasing Star Wars or looking for it if that makes sense yeah um and then it wasn't until, like I said, I was actually working away in the, the trailer for the first trailer for uh, Force Awakens was online and Twitter went mental. Yeah. Um, and like I had Twitter, I used Twitter, but I'd never really seen it go mental like something like that before. And like I wasn't really following Star Wars accounts or anything because I wasn't really like, again, I wasn't really part of like, I mean, I didn't really know Phantom was a thing at the time. Do you know what I mean? And like, to see it go blow up on like everything and then I watched it and it was like I loved it so that got me back into it and that's when I started to like go back and watch the Clone Wars I hadn't actually seen it as it was originally released if that makes sense yeah so like Son of Dathomir was a comic that was it was canon comic but it was done by Dark Horse so you, you couldn't obviously with the, when Disney bought Lucasfilm once the Dark Horse license finished of Disney obviously licensed the Star Wars comics to Marvel which makes a lot of sense from a business point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you couldn't get that for a while, and it was like it was online for like big money. Son of Dathomir, big money because it, it was wasn't in print. Um, and obviously, Maul obviously comes back in Rebels, so it was like, oh, like you need to read this. But then, obviously, Marvel did a reprint, which I don't know the logistics or the uh, how that works, but but they did it. So I was able to pick it up for fourteen pound. Uh, so a lot better than it, it was like 80, 80, 80 English pounds online which is probably like $120 probably um, but I was going to pay for 14 which is probably like under $20 so I was really happy with that um, I'd recommend reading that uh, Christina um, if you're going to go into I don't know if you can order it uh, before Siege of Mandalore because you're going to get to know a lot about Maul and the crime syndicates a little bit Um so I would recommend picking that up. And obviously because it has been reprinted by Marvel, you'll be able to get it at like face value price as well. 
Yeah, I think it's uh, you can get it online on Comixology through Amazon. Oh, so yeah, those who because those who uh, digital comics, I think you can get like, is it free? You pay monthly? Is that right? Uh, I think so. I I'm still pretty new to the Kindle Unlimited, but it says Kindle and Comixology. If you have that, it's free. Well, there you go. So I recommend that. I recommend that for you and for any listener like who's looking forward to see to Mandalore. Uh, or even just people who love Darth Maul. Um, Darth Maul, son of Darth Maul, pick it up because uh, it, it's it's really really good as it, on its own, but also like it shows you Maul's workings with like the crime syndicates and stuff and how he how he works that, which obviously has payoffs for this Siege of Mandalore, and obviously will for Solo as well the movie. Yeah. And uh, Dark Disciples, obviously, eight episode arc. That was a novel. It's very much like a YA, um, YA story. Um, I don't mean that in a negative way. Like the book is great. Actually, I really enjoy it. Um, so for me, for those, I'm I'm glad that they didn't redo those for this season because I'm very much a fan of like if a story is a great story, it doesn't matter how it's told. So the fact that they've chosen now to do like. Darth Morrison of Athena as a comic in that medium, Doctor Cybles a novel in that medium. Um, they're still part of this Clone Wars season, but they don't need to be an sh- animated show. Do you know what I mean? They've chosen to do them differently, and they actually work brilliantly in those formats. So I don't need them to retell me a story that's already been told really well. Yeah. But I would have liked more arcs. Like I would love to see a 24, 24 episode season would have been awesome. I think with Siege of Mandalore at the end. Um, but obviously. Animation is expensive. Um, and obviously, this is the best looking animation that I've seen, to be honest, for me. Um, it's even like, I think they've really, really polished up what they've done in the past. Um, so, like, that that won't be cheap. So, I can sort of understand why they've done 12 episodes. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, so like I said, I'm looking forward to sort of the Ahsoka story coming up next. And I think that will tie us straight into Siege of Mandalore, which will be good. Um, have you got any closing thoughts about your hopes for the rest of the season uh, well I've I've been trying to not re-watch those animatics from a couple years back so I don't kind of I'm glad that I've kind of forgotten what's happened in those all I remember is like Ahsoka fighting once so um, I'm trying to keep my expectations a little bit normal level not like a super high from what i saw in the animatics but um i i think it's gonna end pretty well i'm kind of sad to see it go <laughs> like i don't want it to be the final season but yeah i'm, I'm optimistic about it yeah exactly i mean because the story rules were uh crystal crisis on Udapar and the bad batch which obviously the bad batch has been realized in the uh like a full full episodic arc now obviously they have changed parts of it um, and obviously they have shown different clips and different celebrations of the Soga. Like they definitely showed a lot, which I don't think we've even done at um, Celebration London in 2016. There's quite a lot of the Soga stuff that they showed there, which I've, I've seen there in the panel. But again, I didn't revisit it f- for the same reason as you. I want to sort of go in fresh. Obviously, they're going to be changing stuff as well. Some stuff's going to get changed as well. So A, I don't want to be like, A, I don't want to know what's going to happen. And B, I don't want to know what's going to happen and then they change it if I'm too attached to what I've seen. And I might not like it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think I think you've done a good thing there. And I think I've 
I've done this good thing as well by like sort of not revisiting those sort of uh, unfinished story reels, unfinished animation, and sort of waiting to see it here finished. But I know what you mean. It is over too quick, and like although it sort of had to be the final season, I think because of how close it is to Revenge of the Sith. Like I'm still so adamant that like I would have loved it to be longer. Like, do you know what I mean? It could have been like a full full season of television, but yeah. But again, you don't know what else they're working on. I suppose. Do you know what I mean? Like, if Lucasfilm Animation must be doing, I mean, this is finished, so they must be doing something. Yeah, because isn't Resistance over too? So Resistance is over as well. Um, so, so, so they're doing, they're doing. So for the past, I'd probably say for the last eight to nine months, they've probably, like, by the time they finish, they finish touches on this. They've, they've, they've been doing. Well, they haven't been doing nothing, but like it would appear they've been doing nothing. So for me, that means that they're definitely working hard on a new project, um, and I wonder what that is because obviously, like obviously, I know Dave's directing some Mandalorian and producing Mandalorian and writing on that a little bit, but like he's not on there full time. And like for me, for me, we're getting a lot of Mandalorian references in the Mandalorian, obviously as you would because it's a show about Mandalorian, um, and then obviously from what I gather, I've stayed away from spoilers. But in this next few arcs, obviously you see the Mandalore coming up, we're going to get quite a bit of Mandalorian lore here as well. Yeah. So for me, that, that ties right into what is Sabine Wren doing after Rebels. And like, I would like to think that my hope is that they're working on something and I hope they're working on uh, finding Ezra. Yeah. That's my hope. Oh, yeah. Um, that would be brilliant because then gonna, that means you get more Ahsoka, more Sabine Wren, and said, but they eventually find Ezra, Ezra, maybe if Thrawn's alive, they might come across Thrawn. Yeah. So, like, that's what they're working on, that's going to be brilliant. So, although it's sad to see the end of Clone Wars come to an end, it's like I then get excited about well, all these very gifted animators and very gifted storytellers. Like, they haven't been fired, haven't been laid off, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So they're, they're working on something, which is always cool. Um, and like I said, if they've learned lessons from this animation style, because like, this, like I said, in my opinion, this is the best animation I've ever seen in, um, in this final season of Clone Wars. If they're then able to use this, like, the finishing techniques they've used on this, on future animation, like, imagine if we're going to get, like, a Rebel-style show set after the events of the original trilogy looking like this like it's going to look beautiful yeah um so it's sort of exciting times but obviously maybe they might have announced that at celebrations but i mean i don't think celebration will take place this year now just because of what's happening in the world which is sad for those attending but i mean they'll just save it for when celebration does take place because i imagine whenever when the world does get back to normal they'll announce when it's happening yeah i'm um, surprised they haven't announced that it's been uh pushed or not because didn't they recently post like the podcasting stage stuff yeah so it, it's, it's weird so like i've been looking at it a little bit i mean because i was never i'm not going to celebration anaheim um but so i think it was two of that cons cancelled last month and then they were rescheduled for august and then like judging by what i've seen in the news 
here in the UK anyway, it looks like Trump's a bit like dragging his feet a bit about stuff. So like I noticed that like Trump last week was saying he wants the company reopened by Easter. So obviously like we are recording this on Easter Bank Holiday Monday. Obviously like the country's not reopened because the virus is still running wild. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but because that's what's coming from the leadership, like no one really knows. It's the same in the UK. So like we're like in partial lockdown at the minute. It's not really a proper, proper lockdown, but like the majority, the high streets shut. There's only supermarkets open. Um, online retailers are open. Um, you can't really go out. You can go out for a walk. You can go out and walk your dog. You can go out and exercise once a day. Um, but then you've got to like stay indoors, really. Um, so, but like our Premier League, so our like soccer or our football league is like on hold at the minute. So there's still like 90 odd games, to, like 96 games to play, I think, um, before the season ends. And the new season starts on August 8th. So like they need to play those 96 games like before then. That makes sense. Yeah. But as it stands at the minute, like the Premier League isn't restarting yet. But it hasn't been cancelled yet either. That makes sense. So I think a lot of a lot of a lot of people where a lot of money's involved, I think I'll wait and see what happens. Yeah. But I just hope that my thing is that like if it goes ahead, great. But just as long as it's safe. Like don't go ahead for the sake of making money if it's not going to be safe for that amount of people to be together. Um so we'll we'll have we'll have to wait and see. I, I mean who who knows what's gonna happen. Yeah. But my thought, my gut feeling is that, like, like here in the UK, we've not hit the peak yet of the virus. So in the U- I think the peak's like three to four weeks away here in the UK. And this is just my gut feeling. Like, the, the government's trying to tell what's going to be next week, the peak. But like, I, th- I think they're trying to, look, like, calm people's fears about it. Um, I, I think it's, like, three to four weeks away, the peak. And then and then, it was, then the peak could stay in place for, like, a month. Do you know what I mean? Before yeah. it drops. Um, in the US, I'm not so sure. Of what I've seen, I've been watching Trump's like addresses and stuff and following the news, but other than that, I, I don't know. But I think some states have had them a bit better than others by the looks of it. So it looks like Seattle, looks like Seattle have hit their peak a bit, but it looks like New York's like still not in a good way and like things like that. Do you know what I mean? So, so I think that like I've said, I don't know what California is like. Um, you might know that better than I do, I'd imagine. Um, but I think it just depends how long it takes for things to get back. To normal because I mean for me celebration the problem you've got is that even if the virus is on the way out that many people coming like 80,000 people coming together could be could be what it needs to like restart again if that makes sense yeah like if one person goes with the virus like they might infect five people the first day then six people the next day and infect another five each like do you know what I mean like that's how it, it like you, you can it you kind of take chances with it. Yeah. So, like, for me, I, I think I imagine, and I think they'll wait and see what happens because no one knows what's going to happen, but I can see celebration getting postponed. But I think it's good what they're doing with the, keeping the podcast live going, like, the podcast applications going up because I think it means that when it does come time to do it, like, everything's still the same, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. this is celebration at home. It's happening later than we thought. But like you applied for your podcast place, and that's the show you want to put on. We give you the tickets based on that. Like that is what you're doing here. Like it'll be like do you know what I mean to keep everybody. So no one will be in limbo. Like in case of once it does happen, it's like 
you know you've secured your passes type of thing. You know you've secured your podcast stage. You know you've secured your um your trading table. Do you know what I mean? I think like so I think I think that's a good way to do it because I think by the back end of the year, like I think celebration could happen. So like I, I don't think we'll push it a year. I think that like if the world gets back to normal this year, uh, we'll see what happened like an autumn winter celebration maybe. Yeah. Um, I think it would make sense for Disney parks. Obviously, like the parks just shut them in, like hemorrhaging cash. So, like if you if when when the world does go back to normal, you have celebration in Anaheim. I mean, you've got eighty thousand Star Wars fans in Anaheim, so they're going to do that, and then they're going to go to Disney to go to Galaxy's Edge. So you're sort of protecting your revenue stream a bit there. Yeah. Which is makes very good sense. Um, but yeah, that's sort of that's sort of my thoughts on that. Um. Are you heading to Salvation Anaheim, Christina? Uh, supposed to, um, you, if it if you, it happens this year. Well, I hope it. I hope, hope I don't hope it happens this year. I hope it happens when it's safe to do so. Yeah. So like, but enjoy that when you go. Like I said it, it, it's funny, like, because I when I when I realised I couldn't go, like I, I was quite sad about it because like celebration is the best thing ever. But then I had a thing, thing like, like, oh well, I'll probably go to another one, and I've been to three. Like in like like that's pretty cool. I've been to one. Do you know what I mean I've been at three, yeah. and I want to go to more. And I'll hopefully go more in the future. So I'll miss this one. So I'm just trying to think of it like that. But obviously, then when this news happened, I felt like sorry for everyone else who was going because I knew how I felt when I knew found out I couldn't like go this year. Like and then like when obviously it's sort of the virus happened, I was like, oh, everyone's like now I'm feeling how I felt, and like it wasn't good. So I was like, oh, like I hope it. I hope it gets sorted and I hope, like I said, I hope the world gets back to normal soon. And like I said, when it's safe to do so, get that event back up and running. Like I said, you guys will all have a great time. And I'll be joining his watching the live stream, hopefully. Yeah. will be how I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm glad they do have the live stream stuff for people who can't go. And it's it's pretty much like the same stuff you, you see there when you're there is shown, except for maybe a few panels. But yeah, I agree. Like when it's safe to go, I as much as I would be sad if it gets pushed i would totally be fine with it just like as long as it's safe for everyone to go and not just like oh we want to we want to do it because of money yeah definitely i mean that's that's the thing like human lives are more important than money human lives are more important than star wars i got at the end of the day and like i think that's that's what we've got to take from this um and like i said when when things get better like star wars is always going to be there and like i said when things get better star wars celebration will go ahead so we're not going to lose these things they're just on hold for the moment yeah but um but i think that brings us to the end of the episode uh christina so thanks very much for joining us for uh recapping the clone wars um are you up for recapping the next arc when we watch it uh yeah brilliant stuff brilliant stuff um do you just want to let the let the listeners know where they can find yourself on social media and then also tell us about your podcast the closing credits podcast and tell us where people can find that on social media as well uh you can find me on social media uh with my name at christina with a k morse m-o-r-s-s and my podcast the closing credits podcast is just a podcast where I'm trying to go through every single credit of a movie to try to make a kind of educational interview podcast to teach people what 
how much it takes to make a movie and what every single credit in a movie's credit does. Um, you can find that on social media at Closing Cred. I think it's Closing Cred. And then closingcreditspod.com. And on it, you can also find it anywhere on, I think, where you find podcasts. So like Spotify and Apple Music? Uh, yes. Cool. And who was your last episode with, Christina? Uh, it was with Gary Witta. Ah, so do you want to tell the listeners about his um, relationship with Star Wars because he's worked on Star Wars projects? Um, Gary Witta uh, helped write the Rogue One movie. He's worked on um, the The Last Jedi comic adaptation. And um, he's worked on some of the animated shows too. So he's kind of had his hand all over the place. Definitely, yeah. So any listeners who sort of want to get a sort of dive deep into information in the writing process of a Star Wars movie and Star Wars projects, obviously check out that episode in particular of uh, Christina's podcast, the Closing Credits podcast. Um, but I've listened to all the episodes and they're really informative. Um, if you like film, if you like movies, uh, you're probably going to enjoy these because you're going to learn about the different roles within the filmmaking process. Um, so please check that out. Oh, thank you. Um, no, no problem at all. Because, you know, like I said, um, that's how I, I listened to those and that's when I decided that like I wanted to reach out to you because I wanted to talk to you about Star Wars because I thought that those podcasts were brilliant and I thought if I can bring sort of that sort of podcast and creativity and positivity into this one, then like I'll do it and I'll see you up for it. So that was good. Yeah, and thanks for um, asking me to be a part of this. Yeah, no problem. Like I said, um, we're definitely going to be reviewing the rest of this season. Uh, just when we get chance to, um, yeah. is is the problem. But uh, thanks for joining us, Christina. Uh, take care now. Yeah, you too. Please follow us on Twitter at Boar's Star. That's at B O R E S S T A R. And on Instagram and Facebook at Star Wars Podcast. You can also reach us on email at starwarspodcast at gmail.com. Star Wars Show can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and wherever podcasts can be found. Please give us a like, subscribe, and don't forget to leave a five-star review. May the force be with you.